Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Good evening. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So good to be in revival with True Vine. Good to be back with you again tonight. And I feel like the Holy Ghost is leading me very strong in this revival. I'm very excited for the direction and the clarity that God has given us. And I want to give high honor again to Pastor Durantz and also First Lady. We love these people. They're our friends. And Lois and I feel privileged to have them as friends. Also, I want to tell you what a privilege it is to be with you in this revival, True Vine, and the community here in Temecula. We uh, love this city, have a burden for you and for this city, and we are privileged to be connecting with you. I want to direct your attention to a couple of portions of Scripture. I'll be reading from Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 19, and then also from the New Testament book of Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. And I'm uh, going to add and move a little bit upon what was spoken Sunday and uh, just give us further direction for this revival and what I feel like the Holy Ghost is speaking to me right now in this time in history of the church as well as our world. So I'm reading first from Second Chronicles chapter 20 and begin reading at verse 19. The Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall you prosper. And when he consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness. And as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And they began to sing and to praise and the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir which were come against Judah, and they were all smitten. And then from Second Chronicles chapter 10, a very familiar scripture to us, verses 3, 4, and 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into activity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Corinthians here defines for us what strongholds are. Their imaginations, it's knowledge that exalted itself above the, the knowledge of God, the word of God, the spirit of God. So I want to preach today and simply preach, sing, <laughs> baby, sing. Sing, baby, sing. And I feel like God's given me a specific word for you today. I bless you in Jesus' name. I pray that you are doing more than just listening and watching this as a documentary or some entertainment. 
But I hope you're having church tonight. I hope that you are prepared in your spirit and that we can let God speak to us and that this would be church just like we were gathered together in our sanctuary. But this would be church wherever you are right now, your home, your living room, your dining room, etc. Heard a story some time ago about a, a man who was searching, hungry for not only a move of God in his life, but also for a wife as he was beginning to get into his mid or late 20s and looking for his one that he would spend his life with. And he found himself connecting to a church. And there was a church that was new to him, but he noticed a young lady in the choir who was absolutely a beautiful young lady. She sang like an angel. Her worship and thanksgiving uh, kind of demonstrated her love for God. And quickly he began to have feelings for this young lady. He began to ask her out, but as they were in revival services, they had at that time, almost every day of the week was revival. So they had only this after the services to date. And they would go to restaurants and get a drink and share time after services. And this revival lasted for a couple, three months. And they have gotten real close over the first few weeks. He has asked her to marry him. And they are now scheduled to be married. A very quick whirlwind of a dating whirlwind of an engagement and they had only known each other just a few months and most of that time had been in revival services it had been in dates after revival services so they have their beautiful wedding ceremony and they have their wedding night and he wakes up in the morning the first to wake up and when he opens his eyes on the morning after his wedding night he realizes that her face close to him is what he has been smelling and woke up. Little midnight or morning breath now, I guess. And he looked at her face and there was some eye boogers in the corner of her eye sleep, if you will. And, and he's a little horrified because her hair is not perfect like it is at church. It's all tasseled and messed up. And, and her breath has a little stitch to it. Her eyes are all messed up. And he's getting this horrified feeling like, what have I done? Who have I married? And at the moment that he is looking to her or at her like that, she wakes up and she sees the terrified look on his face and she's so concerned about what he's thinking and what he's feeling and she says what is it honey what is it darling what do I need to do and he closed his eyes and said just sing baby sing because if I can remember what you sound like if I can remember them feelings again then I know I'll get past these little bitty things in the marriage that I wasn't expecting they caught up to me too fast sing baby sing I know that God loves us so very much but I wonder at times if he ever thinks about speaking this to us the mistakes that we make the failures that we made sometimes our inconsistencies in our walk with God our disappointment in not being close to him that sometimes he just closes his eyes and says if you'll praise me again church if you'll sing again church if you'll love on me with praise and thanksgiving again 
again. It'll make me forget about all that stuff. And I'll remember again how much I love you. I know that God doesn't forget, but there's something about his praise and something about our praise and our worship that he loves. That's when he wants to dwell with us in the praises of his people. So that's why I'm preaching Sing, Baby Sing. This uh, story here in Second Chronicles is speaking of a time when Judah, which is now the divided kingdom of Israel and Judah, the southern nation that is made up of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, thus the name Judah, has now have armies, armies from Syria that are camping against them. In particular, the Ammonites have come to do war. And the Moabites have come to do war. And those that dwell in Mount Seir, all three of these groups of people have combined together and they're encamping. They are putting besiege upon Jerusalem and all of Judea. And so God is speaking to Jehoshaphat, which was the fourth king of Judah. And he is speaking to him a clear direction. And probably if you've been in the church much at all, you've heard this preached from. It is a powerful parallel. It is a great instruction on what our weapons of praise do to the enemy. But there's revelation here exactly for our time that I need to share with you. So go with me on this story. Jehoshaphat has these armies coming against the people of Judah, God's people. So he calls a fast and he begins to pray. Prayer and fasting is always in order for God's people. And when prayer and fast happens, God begins to speak to Jehoshaphat, in particular through the prophet Jehaziel. And Jehaziel begins to prophesy this word from God. Stand still and see the salvation of God. This is the same thing that we learned last Sunday, is that God speaks to us to stand still or to stand firm in our belief in God, our trust in God, and our understanding that He is directing our steps. Stand still and see the salvation of God. And so the king begins to appoint certain singers and praisers to go out before the army. And they are to sing and to praise God. And they will go before the army, meeting the armies that are against them, the Moabites and the Ammonites and those that dwell in Mount Seir. So they're praising God, going out before the army. And the scripture tells us that when they get to where the armies are, all they find is dead people and much treasure for them to uh, take to themselves and to take back to their homes. Because God set ambushments against the enemies and they turned on each other and killed each other. And God gave a great victory, not by our might, not by our power, not by our strength, but the salvation of God came as we let praise Go first. And this has been preached in so many ways and great messages that have come from this. But I want us to look a little deeper and see revelation that God is trying to share with us today. First of all, when you begin to study praise and worship, 
in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike, you'll find that the English language becomes a little limited to describe these original words from the original Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic that the scripture is originally written. So there are some 13 or more words that we see translated into the English word praise or worship, or sometimes it'll define it differently, such as dance or clap your hands. So some 13 words, in particular in the Old Testament, there are some six or seven words from the original Hebrew that are praise words, worship words, that we just see praise and worship. For example, there's a Hebrew word from the original writings that is yada. Yada. When we see Yada translated in English, we just see the word praise most of the time. Praise. But the word Yada has a specific meaning. It means to throw with the hands upward and outward. To throw with the hands upward and outward as if you are literally scooping with your hands praises and you are extending them or waving them or throwing them up toward heaven. This is what yada means. Unfortunately, when we look into the English, the word just yada is translated praise. So we don't get the specifics of it being a praise of the throwing with the hands up, coupled as sending blessings toward heaven. There is a Hebrew word called zalmar. Again, we see it praise in English, but Zalmar means to strike with the fingers, making noise in praise to God. This is where we get our clapping our hands. That is Zalmar praise. Clapping your hands is Zalmar praise. It also can mean playing the guitar or the harp or the piano, using your fingers to make noise as a praise unto God. By extension, it could be using your fingers, holding a guitar pick or drumsticks, anything that you use with your hands to make noise unto God. This is a particular praise from the Old Testament. We just see it praise, but it means to use your fingers as giving praise and making noise to God. The next word that I'll speak to you is the word halal. Halal is a Hebrew word translated praise in English, but it literally means to rant and to rave, to be clamorous, to be very loud at the top of your lungs, being boisterous about how good, how great, how awesome God is. So literally lifting your voice and shouting out boisterously how good God is. Have you ever felt that in a church service and you had to express how good God was and so you threw back your head and lifted your voice and you shouted about His goodness? That's a halal praise, halal praise. I want you to see it's very interesting that these mirror our apostolic praise and worship services, that we are very demonstrative in the waving or lifting of our hands. We're very demonstrative in the clapping of our hands or fingers and the bands that use their fingers in Zalmar praise. We are very proficient in lifting our voice and being loud. 
This because not of culture in our time, but it is the Old Testament understanding that this is what praise is. This is what the word of God declares praise is. Another word from the Hebrew is the word Tehillah. And it comes from the root word halal, but it's tehillah. Now, not to be confused with tequila. That's, that's something entirely different. Tehillah means to lift your voice in a ranting, raving, clamorous way, but doing it as you are singing a specific hymn or a specific poem or a word or a song. So you're singing the song as it were at the top of your lungs and you're speaking about how good God is. These are just four, but these four in particular is what I'm wanting to reveal to you because these Hebrew words are used here in our story in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 20. And when we begin to put an understanding to these, as well as a few more insights, then we're going to see something very specific that's revelation to right where we are today. So let's begin to walk through this story. First of all, the children of Ammon, the children of Moab, and the children of Mount Seir is who has come against the people of God. Now, Mount Seir, the word Seir means rough, rough. And we know that it's Esau or Edom who settled in Mount Seir. Esau is a typology of carnality. He was a man of the land, a man of this world, if you will. Carnality is what Mount Seir parallels or is a picture of. And so here we see what has come against the people of God in parallel of this text is a carnal spirit or carnality. The next group of people that have joined together against the people of God is Ammonites or those that come from Ammon. Ammon was birthed and conceived of an inbred relationship between Lot and one of his daughters. The other group of people are the Moabites, who was the other child that was born from this Lot and his other daughter as they came together in immorality. And so you have carnality, Mount Seir, you have Ammon, which means inbred, and you have Moab, which means incest. So incest is meaning in particular any kind of um, immorality. It stands for perversion. It stands for all the immorality that can come against the church in our parallel today. Inbred speaks to things that happen when people began to breed within the family too closely. And there are some things that happen with inbreds. Just reading what I have Googled, some of the symptoms and problems of inbred. They have jutting jaws, sometimes misshapen skulls, fused limbs, they have problem with hemophilia or their blood clotting, small heads, cliff planet, club foot, etc. And what this means for us today is that you can get so consumed even with religious organization that you marry within a particular organization and your organization quits 
receiving harvest from outside the organization. Independents do not associate with you anymore. Your fellowship becomes just yourself until there's ideas indigenous within an organization that must be clarified and must be changed to make sure the word of God is your tradition and not just traditions of organization. And this is what this inbred symptoms could mean in the spiritual realm. Jutting jaws, the inability to speak or to eat properly, misshapen skulls or small shrunken skulls, the inability for a mind to operate fully and freely so it doesn't think right, fused limbs, you don't reach right, you don't walk right, hemophilia, the blood does not heal properly because of our inability to use the blood. We have the inability to club foot, walk with God. So here we have symptoms that can happen with inbred that we have got to always be going back to the word of God and making sure that we have fresh harvest, that we have fresh principle word of God, and we're not just preaching or believing or reciting even religious words and phrases that are spoken or even things that are spoken it must be founded in the word of god so here are the three things that have come against the people of god carnality immorality and things indigenous to its own traditional organizational thoughts and process this is what's coming against god's people so the king did what is appropriate. He calls a fast and he calls a prayer. If ever there was a time that we needed to turn to God in prayer and in fasting, it is now. We need to hear from God. We need his direction in our life. We need him to supernaturally speak to us and to supernaturally deliver us. And so if ever we need his word, we need it now. So it's a time for us to humble ourselves. And pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways as Second Chronicles 7 and 14 instruct us. So a fast is called. A prayer is called. And when prayer and fasting begins to happen, then there is a word that comes from God. I want you to see again what I read in the text here. The scripture says in verse 20, if you believe in the Lord your God, you shall be established that's that standstill concept. And it also says if you believe his prophets that you shall prosper. Prophets bring direction direction and vision. So when God speaks to us, you've got to believe in God and you've got to believe in the men of God, the women of God put in our lives to give us vision, direction, to give us strength, to do all the things that we should do, the entire fivefold ministry that God has put in our life. And once the prophet begins to prophesy, stand still and see the salvation of God, then we see that the hand of God begins to move. And the scripture says that there was two people, two groups of people that began to separate themselves as leaders in praise and in worship immediately when they heard the voice of God spoken to them prophetically that he would give us a victory, that we are to stand still. And that's those were the sons of Korah or the Korahites and those that were the sons of Kohath who were the Kohathites. Now, I'm not going to spend a long time on this, but it's very important for us to understand who should lead, who really should lead in praise and worship. First of all, we know that the Kohathites 
descended from the sons of Kohath. Kohath was one of the priests that come from Aaron's lineage. And Kohath and his sons were instructed to be leaders in the house of God. They were the ones that took care of the emblems or the vessels in the house of God. In the wilderness time, they're the ones that carried the vessels in the house of the God from place to place as the temple was moved. It's those that speak of in parallel the leaders in the house of God. If anyone should lead us in praise and worship, it should be those who are leaders, those who are called, those who are anointed, those who have positions and are leading us. They should be some of our greatest praisers and worshipers, especially at this time. The other group of people are those that are called the Korahites or the sons of Korah. And maybe you'll remember Korah. Korah back in the wilderness was one that rebelled against Moses. And when the rebellion of Korah happened, God sent an earthquake and he sent fire to bring destruction upon the people that rebelling against the man of God. And when that destruction came, not only was Korah doomed by the word of God to die, but all of his family as well as instructed by the Old Testament law. But in Numbers 26 and 10 and 11, the earth opened her mouth and swallowed all of them up together with Korah and all the company that died. What time the fire devoured 250 men and they became a sign. Verse 11, notwithstanding the children of Korah died not. According to Old Testament law, they should have died with their father. This is a people of mercy and grace. They do not deserve to have the mercy of God. They do not deserve to have the grace. They should have died. They were in a relationship. They backslid rebellion and God's mercy came to them. So I'm speaking of the sons of Korah as those that have a tremendous testimony of the mercy of God. Perhaps those that knew God and walked away. Prodigals that came back. Backsliders that God was so good and merciful to of which I am one today. But there's something powerful about the sons of Korah. When David began to write his Psalms in the book of Psalms, there's certain Psalms that he said, I don't want just anyone to read or to sing these, but I want the sons of Korah. And if you look in some of the Psalms, the heading above it says, to the sons of Korah. And it has this particular psalm, this particular word. Psalms 42 is written to the sons of Korah, which declares this, that as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul longeth for God. When David wrote this psalm, he said, I don't want just anybody to sing it, but let someone who the mercy and grace of God has showed itself to great depths to great strengths. Let them sing this song because nobody can sing about the goodness and the mercy and being hungry for God like those who've been prodigals, those that have been away. Over and over we see the sons of Korah listed as the ones that should sing Psalms 44, Psalms 45, Psalms 46, which declares God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Those that are Korah or the sons of Korah 
know how to sing this. It's more than a tune. It's more than words, but it's worship and praise that comes from a heart that have experienced these words. Psalms 47, clap your hands, oh ye people, and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Psalms 48, 49, 84, 85, 87, 88, and Psalms 136, which is the great halal. This is known by those of of, of Israel or Judah as the great halal. This is their national anthem. This is what they sing when they celebrate the patriotism and the founding of their nation because it speaks about the goodness of God. And it's called the great halal. That word halal means to rent and to rave at the top of your lungs because they're supposed to sing it at the top of their lungs talking about how good God is. And it describes what God has done for them, how powerful he is, and every other sentence declares his mercy endureth forever. One saw, or one translation declares, it says his love is everlasting. So it kind of goes like this. God who created the world, his mercy endureth forever. He created mankind. His love is everlasting. He brought us out of Egypt's bondage. His mercy endureth forever. That type of understanding. He brought us through the Red Sea. His mercy endureth forever. His love is everlasting. So this is kind of how the great halal goes. And when we understand that this is what is known by those that are reading Second Chronicles and with Jewish background and understanding, now we get a better picture of what's happening. Because when God God's prophetic word comes through Jehaziel. Stand still and see the salvation of God. It's those that know how to lead in worship. Backsliders and leaders in the church, if you will. Sons of Korah and the Kohathites that first begin to praise and to lead the congregation or the nation in praise and worship. And when that happens, it looses Jehoshaphat the king to begin to move among the people and find out the worshipers and praisers after the spirit of Kohath and Korah and he appoints a new choir not just those that seem the best and sound the prettiest but those with the spirit perhaps of Korah that knew how to worship God the sons of Korah and the sons of Kohath and from those, he begins to put forth this group, this choir that will go before the army and they will begin to sing and give praises to God. But what we have to understand is that when he gave them instructions to go before the armies and to face the armies that are coming against them, the specific instructions were this, to Yada God. That means they would be throwing their hands up in the air also to Halal and to sing to Hillah by inference, Psalms 136. So this is the picture. They are gathered in front of the armies of Judah going out to battle. And they're coming against immorality. They're coming against just church tradition. And they're coming against carnality. And the way they come against this is with praise and worship. Yada praise, throwing their hands, 
cupping their hands and throwing their arms up in blessings to God. And they're shouting at the top of their lungs, singing this praise about the victories that God has done in their past. And his love is everlasting. He's given us miracles supernaturally and his mercy endureth forever. It would be a personal testimony and a testimony of your church in parallel today. What God has brought you out of and what God has done for you as an individual and as a group together, true vine, the miracles and the provision he has done. And so the choir, if you will, goes before the armies and they're throwing their hands in the air and they're shouting at the top of their lungs. And this praise and this worship confused the enemies and God set up ambushments against immorality, against carnality, and against tradition, against Moab, Ammonites, and those that dwelt in Mount Seir. And they turned on each other and destroyed each other. So when the choir and the army got to where the battlefield should have been, all they could do is just harvest wealth for three days. Three days they spent with Wealth and clothing and golds and silvers and food because of the victory that God had given them. We need to understand that our praise and worship is our battles. The battle and the weapons that we use are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And what the enemy understands that I fear too many of us as apostolics have not understood is that the specifics of our apostolic worship is specifically our weapons that destroy carnal and destroy immorality and destroy traditional ideas and that we need to have Yada praise and we need to have Halal praise and we need to have Tehillah praise. Since we have been in this pandemic, no doubt there has been church piped through the internet that has come into our houses but I pray that we get a revelation and understanding that just like we clap our hands at church, we need to have that kind of praise going on in our home. Not just because that's what we do, but Zalm our praise destroys immorality and it destroys carnality and we need this happening in our services even our services at home or we are not being fully apostolic and not taking advantage of the mighty weapons that God has given us we need to have halal praise because that comes against carnality and it destroys tradition because untraditionally we're not just having charismatic type worship in church services at a sanctuary but we're having it at home and victories that we might could only see at church now we're going to see at home over immorality and over carnality and over traditional things this is what i have experienced and this is um, again observation and experience as i close that even when churches are beginning to open up what we are battling against is a liberty with apostolic demonstrative praise and worship. People not are just so cautious that they don't want to lift their hands and so worried about sickness and disease and trying to follow, you know, a six foot social distancing rule. No, all of that can still be followed 
in a demonstrative worship of Halal, Zalmar, Tehillah, etc. But people have come cautious because they have been battling carnality and have not done well. They have been battling immorality and not done well. Please hear me in the Holy Ghost. I feel this prophetically. They've been battling even some traditional things and only want to have church in a church sanctuary. But if you will right now where you're at, forget about everything else and clap your hands, all ye people, and shout or halal unto God with a voice of triumph. You are spiritually using your weapons to come against the battle that is facing your home, your family, your spiritual life, your church. I am declaring today that there is a liberty by the power of the Holy Ghost to sing again, to worship again, to clap your hands, to lift your hands, to shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph because this is how we fight our battles. This is how we worship. This is how we praise. And there are specific Specific battles that are won when we specifically praise like this. So it's time to get your weapons on. It's time to get yourself anointed. It's time to get faith in your heart and to go do battle. But the best way to fight this is to hear a sure word from God. Listen to the leaders that are in your life that God has put there. And now let's go forth in praise. Let's go forth in worship. Let's be demonstrative right there in your living room, right there in your dining room, and give praise and glory. Glory to God, because this is how we fight. This is how we use our weapon. Come on, true vine. Sing, baby. Sing. Sing, baby. Sing. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.